0: Tapping the keg daily is live for Monday. It is January 15th. The Green Bay Packers have made a statement to the NFL world after their stunning win over the Dallas Cowboys. We'll also talk about golden kegs from that game. We'll also recap the rest of the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend with some thoughts on the Buffalo cancellation as well. Uh, After that, we'll talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, and they had a good weekend as well. It was a good weekend overall in Wisconsin sports. Enjoyed it. Uh, That will be today's show. Uh, Before we get going, just a reminder, social media, Tevin the Keg on Twitter, Tevin uh, the Keg Sports on uh, Instagram, TikTok, as well as Facebook. Uh, if you are joining us for the first time because you are joining us from one of those social media channels, this is a four times a week podcast. We have one time a week with my guy, Mitch. We'll be doing it on Thursday. show. Uh, the show schedule for this week We'll have a show tomorrow, then we'll have off heading into Wednesday, then Mitch and I will be back Thursday for uh, bucks cavs recap, as well as talking Packers-Niners. We'll have a Friday show, and then that will be the program. As for Sunday, uh, with the Packers playing on Saturday night, I will do a podcast on Sunday. I can't promise you it's going to go up right away. I will probably be going out for the game. So I'm sure I will not be exactly uh, in the best headspace right away. Uh, But I will try to tape the podcast before uh, the second game gets going. So uh, we'll talk about that. I'll actually, well, let's put a pin in that because I... I do wonder, maybe I'll do a poll on Instagram and accent and see, see what people prefer, because if the Packers win, do we want to wait till, but I guess then you do the pocket. All right, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll talk to uh, my producer, a.k.a. me, and, and figure that out. But expect maybe a show on Sunday uh, for the people uh, to recap what happened on Saturday night. But we have to talk about the Green Bay Packers, letting the league know who the hell they are, on Sunday afternoon. The Green Bay Packers faced off against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, It was a matchup that, I think there was a lot of excitement from Packer fans. I think there would've been excitement if Packers had played the Detroit Lions, honestly. I think that the feelings would've been the same. The Green Bay Packers really really looked like a great team heading into the playoffs. They were humming. They were peaking at the right time there was some concern after they had lost to the Giants and the Buccaneers that did they peak too early? The fact that they nearly got eliminated from the playoffs because they lost to the hapless Carolina Panthers is still in the background. But the Green Bay Packers put it all together, and this game on Sunday was almost the final masterpiece of what Green Bay has done for the last, really, month and a half. And Green Bay dominated Dallas from the start. They got the ball, received, took the ball down the field, 12 plays, 75 yards, seven minutes of possession, and put it to Dallas early on. And then they did not stop with the Dallas Cowboys. And they end up winning 48 to 32 in a game that looks a lot closer than it was. The Green Bay Packers absolutely embarrassed Dallas on their home turf and a place where Green Bay has basically called their second home in AT&T Stadium 6 and 0 now in the state in Dallas stadium a Packer Cowboy rivalry that has become so one sided With Matt Lafleur eating Dan Quinn's lunch yet again, which he did last year, even which was arguably the best Packer win of the season. Uh, Dallas was good last year too. Green Bay, you know, had kind of was limping into that game, and then they went to a run-focused approach with Aaron Rodgers doing a little bit less, and that was probably the best we had saw the Packers offense last season. Green Bay is now part of the conversation in the NFL. And as Kevin Burkhart said multiple times, no one expected this. Greg Olson tried to take credit, weirdly, for the Green Bay Packers' success uh, in the Thanksgiving Day game. Like, oh, well, they turned it around after Thanksgiving. Well, he's right. It really wasn't until the Chiefs game before we started to believe, right? We saw the Lions and we're like, okay, they wanted to give it to the Lions. They lost a couple times to Detroit. But after that Chiefs game, that was really the moment where I think all of us collectively said, okay, this is something special. This Packer team is a little bit different. This Packer team is starting to grow up and starting to understand how to win football games. And this is, you know, the new era of the Green Bay Packers. And it, it culminated on Sunday. And I know they have a game on Saturday. I, I get that. But Green Bay wasn't happy to be here. You know, you see so many times these new these young teams are just they're okay with being here. But Green Bay went on the road, a place where Dallas has not lost since September 2022 and laid the fucking wood from the first snap of this football game. Do you like, do you realize how impressive that was? Like that it's hard to conceptualize how great of a win this was for the Green Bay Packers. Even if things go off the rails in San Francisco on Saturday night, and we won't really talk too much about the 49ers game, but I, I do want to talk about it at the, at the end here or after Golden Kegs. This is, this is everything you wanted. This is everything wrapped up. And Jordan Love continues to defy expectations. When Aaron Rodgers was at his best, I would be. I watched a lot of games with my parents during the Rogers era because I lived at home. Uh, I also during playoff games, you know, I would watch them with with my folks. Um, even during college, like during the run uh, in 2010, I remember I was in the basement and then I went out after uh, after that Atlanta game. But I was in that basement because I felt like that basement was good luck for me. And um, I, I I remember there were moments in Rogers' career where I would just be laughing. Like I would just be on the couch cackling because he just do shit that I just, I couldn't believe a quarterback was able to do. I found myself doing the exact same thing with Jordan Love. The, the broken play to Romeo Dobbs, the touchdown to, to Dobbs at the end, uh, where he just slings it in there, sidearm off one foot, absolutely absurd. The touchdown to Dontavian Wicks was unbelievable. Uh, The Musgrave throwback pass was also just, I mean, there were so many moments, you know, just finding, you know, Musgrave for the first down, where basically, even though Green Bay was at third down, you didn't necessarily think that Dallas had a shot to stop Green Bay. They only stopped Green Bay a few times. Danny Whelan, I think, punted punted, punted three times. But when this game was kind of in, you know, not necessarily in blowout mode, It was one punt from Danny Whelan, and that was it. Green Bay was moving the ball effectively down the field. And Jordan Love just picked a new guy this week. This week, it was Romeo Dobbs. Last week, it was Wicks and Bo Melton. And it's basically like, it doesn't matter who's our wide receiver one. Any of y'all can kind of get it. And Love will find the matchup that he likes the most. And... I know that C.J. Stroud had a great performance against Cleveland, and I, I don't want to take away from C.J. Stroud. And I think they're going to be lumped in together, but this is ultimately a better performance than than C.J. Stroud. I know the Browns' defense is excellent, uh, but you're on the road. You're this is a team you're seeing for the first time. Remember, well, Stroud saw them for the first time, but they at least had tape against the Texans' offense, and and the fact that. You basically kicked their ass from the start, and I also argue that the while the Texans did play well, and it would have been a 31-14 game without the two Flacco picks, like still like that that adds to the blowout of of the of the Cleveland Browns. So I, I really believe you know this Jordan Jordan Love just it, it's it's so special right now, and do not take the, I don't, I don't think anyone taking it for granted, but please don't. Like, please don't realize what's happening right now. And I think that's why everybody is feeling a type of way and feeling like this team could make a run to the Super Bowl. And I don't think that that is out of bounds to talk about. I don't think that is pie in the sky. I don't think that's rainbows and unicorns because Green Bay looks like the best team. Who won the weekend, right? It's Green Bay. You could argue it's Houston, maybe. But the fact that the Packers went on the road in Dallas, a place that has been a house of horrors for everybody else, but not Green Bay at all. They absolutely dominated that football game. And defensively, they looked good too. I know we've talked a lot about Jordan Love, but like Joe Barry's trying to save his fucking job. Like nobody is better at saving his job than Joe Barry. Like Joe Barry just has to be under the gun the entire time to actually play football. And I think credit to Matt Lafleur. I think Matt Lafleur got more involved with the with the defense. He worked with Joe Barry. They discussed the strengths, the weaknesses of this team. And Joe Barry might keep his fucking job. And I can't believe it. I can't believe that that is actually something that might happen. But Joe Barry really, you know, they, they brought the noise. They turned the ball over twice. They got two turnovers off Dak, a great interception by Jair Alexander, and then a pick six by Darnell Savage. And that was part of the Green Bay Packers sort of sort of blowout, And that played a large part in it, but Dak Prescott couldn't do much. CeeDee Lamb was covered up. He did, they had no sort of connection in that first half. There was arguments going on the sidelines. The only really thing the Cowboys did well in that first half was run the ball with Tony Pollard, but because they could not stop the Packer offense, they really couldn't use Tony Pollard effectively. So Green Bay was able to you know, establish themselves and really be the aggressors on both sides of the ball. And so Joe Barry deserves some credit for that. And yes, that is part of the reason why this team can make it to the Super Bowl. It's not going to be easy, right? You now have to go to San Francisco. San Francisco is way harder than playing against Atlanta back in 2010, which people have start, started to talk about 2010. Of course you start to talk about 2010. I think whenever you know we get sort of going in the playoffs, we always look to 2010. That's natural as sports fans. You think about that glorious moment, right? You think about, you know, when it was the best. And so, you've, of course, that's the that's the the thing you mentioned, right? And you have a little bit different though, because you, that Atlanta team, you know, Atlanta and Matt Ryan and everything else, like that was not the, the same team than this 49ers team. This 49ers team is special. This 49ers team is one of the best in the NFL, if not the best team in the NFL. Now, have they been beaten at home? Yes, you saw what Baltimore did, but Baltimore is arguably right there with the the 49ers. So this is going to be a very tall task for our Green Bay Packers. But if they do win, they're either playing the Lions, the Buccaneers, or the Eagles. And the Lions, I, I said to Mitch, weirdly, that the Lions would be the, you know, the worst case scenario would be the losing to the Lions in the NFC Championship game. But if you really want to go 2010, remember, they went to Chicago in the NFC Championship game to win that one, and they did. So would we see the exact same thing for the Green Bay Packers this year? And also, just to continue to add to the 2010 allure, that, that whole run was broadcasted by Buck and Aikman, and they took them all the way They also were the Super Bowl team Fox does not have a Super Bowl this year I believe it's CBS uh, Where Packers, I don't think have appeared on CBS On a Super Bowl in a long, long time But it's not crazy to have these discussions It's not crazy because of what we've seen Out of this offense This offensive line, we didn't even mention like They did a great job against the Dallas Cowboys pass rush Which is one of the best in the NFL Everybody is playing at a top tier level. This is not your normal seven seed. This is not the seven seeds that are usually there where they're just happy to be there and they get their asses kicked by the two seed. This is not the same thing. This is a Packer team that is just playing, you know, like one of the best in the NFL. And I said to you guys last week that they're going to be, a top tier team in terms of contenders for next season. And people are going to talk about them as a Super Bowl contender. They're going to talk about Jordan Love as an MVP candidate. All of that will still happen no matter what happens in San Francisco. But there is, and there is something with San Francisco because Green Bay has lost four straight playoff games to them. They haven't beat them in the playoffs since 2001. They had number 12's number for years and years. Matt LaFleur and and Kyle Shanahan have an interesting relationship. It has not necessarily been as cozy as it once was. There's so much there with those two teams. And the fact that they're meeting again in a new era of Packer football is incredible. But no matter what happens on Saturday, Green Bay has the job done. The house money got cashed in and now they have even more house money to play with. And I saw Aaron Jones comment about going all in. And this Packer team is definitely the nobody believes in us. People believe now, but nobody believed that this team could do that. And they said to statement that even if Saturday goes off the rails, that they are another generation of Packers football. And... The amount of people that said, Holy shit, the Packers did it again on Sunday was, it, it almost was like porn, honestly. Like, just seeing all of that coming through your timeline or reading on Reddit or everything else about just people in amazement that Green Bay has put it all together yet again, I think is A, so frustrating for Bears fans and Vikings fans and even Lions fans. Like, Lions are like, okay, we're having this moment. We're supposed to be the team of the North. This is supposed to be our time. We win our first playoff game in 32 years. But guess what's looming? The Green Bay Packers, the big brother. Now, I've talked about the Lions being the aggressor to the Green Bay Packers, you know, in the past. But that, I mean, the fact that the, the Packers are still lurking there for the Lions has to be scary for them has to be annoying, right? That the Green Bay Packers didn't really let up. And as someone joked, I forget who the Twitter user was that said this about, man, it was really tough in October. We didn't know who our quarterback was. That's it. That's all it was. And then it started to turn around. I'd argue early November too. Vikings game, even that Rams game were a little shaky. And then, that Chargers game was the start of it all. That Chargers game started everything for this team. And now we're kind of at the peak. We're at where the mountaintop of this team is going to be good for a very, very long time. They are young. They are talented. They, they still have room to grow. I think that's, that should be the scariest thing for the rest of the NFL, is this isn't the finished product. This is only the beginning. And that should terrify everybody. And I, I just can't wait. This is, this is going to be so much fun heading, going forward. And I'm so excited to see what the next chapter will look like on Saturday night. Moving on to Golden Kegs. If you're new here, uh, Golden Kegs is a segment that we do every Packer game, we go five to one, uh, five kegs being best players of the game, one keg being the worst. We also talk about other things. I also got a question about Aaron Rodgers that I wanna cover in that as well. Uh, So I I think we'll put that, we'll slot that three in a three keg spot and get to that as well. Uh, But let's dive in. Uh, Five kegs, obviously Jordan Love is the first five keg. I mean, Jordan Love has been playing like an MVP Uh, They do not necessarily give out MVPs after the regular season. You guys have heard my thing about Jordan Love and saying that they still had eight losses this year. He should not necessarily be a MVP. But Jordan Love, 16 for 21, 272, averaged 13 yards per pass, three touchdowns, no picks, did not get sacked, had a quarterback rating of 157.2. He had an incompletion of the craft that ruined his path, His perfect passer rating. It is the best Packer passing performance per DVOA according to Aaron Schatz, which I, honestly, that was the time where I start, it started to make me feel a type of way where I was like, okay, wait a second here. Do we have something that is even more special? Did I underestimate this? Here, yeah, I I put this out on yet last last night where this is the type of shit that makes me want to believe on Saturday. This from Aaron Schatz. The Packers offense DVOA of 190%. That is the highest pass offense DVOA to probably the premier advanced stat in NFL football in a game in Packer history. Think about that. Considering the quarterbacks who have played for the Packers, I'll put together a table of the top passing games, top Packer passing games. Uh, so unbelievable stuff from Aaron Schatz, uh, who is the king of DVOA. Uh, love also, <laughs> so also pointed out that he broke Bart. I love broke Bart Starr's passing record. Uh, oh my goodness! I mean, this is just this is something special, man. This is you can't like. Like I said, you got to enjoy every moment and I, I, I said to you guys in the open I was cackling at some of the passes Jordan Love made and he is just on another level right now now and it's just it's like wow they did it again and it's a you, you just say it to yourself a couple different times like you're like I, I can't believe that we are we are going to get to do this all over again and it's so much fucking fun that we get to just relive this and hopefully it's better and hopefully it's you know a a new era and the new era is even more special than the last one. Uh, Five kegs also to Romeo Dobbs what a breakout game for Romeo Dobbs six catches 151 yards uh, and a touchdown Uh, he caught everything that was targeted to him Just a huge game from Dobbs, really from the start. Uh, It was, you know, he sort of established himself right away. I think he caught the first pass of the game and it was kind of on. Dobbs, I don't, I believe, I'd assume that's a career high for Dobbs. Uh, It's definitely a season high for him. He did have 95 yards in the game against Detroit early on this season. Uh, But Dobbs has sort of been in the background. I mean, remember this guy last week, Left the game because he was coughing up blood. He dropped a touchdown, and he was coughing up blood and had to go uh, into the into the locker room and never returned. And then this week, he's you know having an awesome playoff performance. And part of the Jordan Love game is the Romeo Dobbs game, and Dobbs was all over the field, just found himself open time and time again. Uh, Strong hand Dobbs, as uh, Justice Moscata likes to say, uh, he was excellent in this football game and. You know, it, every time you're like, oh, maybe they should move on from one of these guys. Maybe continue to build that wide receiver room. You're like, oh, nope. Another guy steps up. Another guy makes it happen. So awesome game from Romeo Dobbs. Other five K to Darnell Savage. The pick six, I mean, that to me was the moment where it's like we're outside. I mean, Packers at that point were up 20 to nothing. You know, Dak had the ball. It was kind of a desperation time for Dak Prescott. They were also moving the ball a little bit. And you know, Dallas scores there, it's ten set twenty to seven, and it's like, okay, all right, we gotta reset, we gotta, you know, play. And then Dak throws a terrible pick to Darnell Savage, who takes it to the house. And he he kind of baited Dak into it. And Darnell Savage has been really solid down the stretch. And this was kind of the culmination for him, too. And he's playing a lot better football. And they've really kind of refined his role to where Savage is playing well. And so I do think they still need to draft a safety, but I, I think Darnell Savage can at least be a guy you can bring back next year on a pretty affordable, affordable rate. And he was, he was great. Um, and that, that pick six was really the start of, okay, blow, blow out Tom. And now it's, now it's just Green Bay needs to keep adding to it. Uh, five kegs also to Zach Tom. Uh, Zach Tom was terrific. I, we kind of mentioned it in the open, but they allowed one pressure. Uh, Mike only had one pressure in this game. Zach Tom was a absolute stalwart at the right tackle position. Uh, he really played well. Um, Rasheed Walker struggled out the gate and then he was fine. Um, you know their offensive line you know has been really, really good here in the last few weeks and that's another part of you know Jordan Love and they've been keeping a clean pocket for Jordan Love and he is not taking a sack. He did not take a sack this week. I think he took maybe one or two last week, but it's, it's been very limited amount of times where Jordan Love is taking a sack. And part of that is Zach Tom. And even though Zach Tom's undersized and Zach Tom, you know, wasn't necessarily considered maybe not a tackle in the NFL. Remember, you know, he was a smaller dude. They thought, oh, he's going to play. He's going to play inside. He's not going to do it. Well, David Bakhti, Bakhtiari was a small tackle. And David Bakhtiari became one of the best left tackles in the NFL, in NFL football. And now you have Zach Tom, who is looking like one of the best right tackles in NFL football. And you add that to all the skill position young guys they have and some of the talented defenders they have. And that even adds to the point of all of these different cornerstones for Green Bay. Aaron Jones also, at five, I mean, what a fucking stretch for Aaron Jones. Uh, One of my buddies was like, I can't remember Aaron Jones being this good for this extended period of time. And and I'd have to agree. I mean, Aaron Jones, 21 carries, 118 yards, 5.6 on it, three touchdowns. 27 as his long. I was happy for Aaron Jones also to get the touchdowns uh, after he had kind of, he had had all these good games and had over hundred yards. It's his fourth straight game now with over hundred yards, but he had not had a touchdown. And Aaron Jones finally finds Paydor uh, and he found it three different times and has just owned Dallas. He has 10
1: Ten touchdowns
0: in four games against the Dallas Cowboys. He loves coming back to Texas. Uh, I think I don't. I don't think Aaron Jones will be a free agent. Uh, he's a. I know his contract's a little expensive. Who gives a fuck? This guy is the leader of this team. He is the glue. He's not only the glue, but he's also the leader. And we wondered about Aaron Rodgers, and you know when Rodgers leaves and the back gets hurt, like who is going to step up? And it's been Aaron Jones and he has really put this team, you know, directly directly on his back. And I know a lot of people in fantasy were like, what the fuck was this for Aaron Jones? And it was like, well, like this is a new era of Packer football, man. And I think if Aaron Jones were, you know, healthy, you would have probably saw this. But really to kind of look back on when sort of the Aaron Jones if you're like going back in time and saying when when was really Aaron Jones this special? It, it's kind of hard to to find, you know, a stretch where Aaron Jones really was, you know, this good. Remember, you know, he was breaking Amon Green's records, you know, heading into heading into it. I guess maybe the bet the the one that you could point to is 2019, where he rushed for 134 against Washington. And then he rushed for 154 against Minnesota. That was a division clincher in Minnesota. Two touchdowns of that one. He rushed for just 100 against Detroit in a game where I believe the Packers, I don't think they, yeah, they didn't need to win. That was that weird game where they were down to a Lions team that had nothing to play for and they had to come back to win that football game. And then he rushed for 62 yards and two touchdowns in a game against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, in a Packer victory. So that was probably, that's probably the best stretch that you've seen from Aaron Jones. If I like have to really sort of look it out and, and string it out for him. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's truly special performance from Aaron Jones. He continues to, you know, dominate and, you know, he needs to need to keep it rolling and it's not going to be easy against that 49ers run defense, but I think Aaron Jones can figure it out. And then lastly, the last five keg, I actually have two more five kegs. I mean, this is, you gotta like, you gotta have all the five kegs, but 12 personnel. Green Bay busted it out. We wondered where, when it would happen and when they would run two tight ends and they were running a lot of two tight end sets in that first, in that first quarter. And they were under center a lot. And they just gave it to Dallas all game long. And... Now they've put it on tape. So, you know, the 49ers are going to see that. They're going to know, okay, they're doing a little bit more with their tight ends. Now that the question becomes for Lafleur: how do you change it up? What do you do differently? How do you give different looks? Looks that haven't been there. I'm sure he just touched the iceberg of his playbook. But I think that you're going to start seeing, you know, the Green Bay Packers do a little bit more, you know, with that 12 personnel. I think this is only the beginning of seeing the musgrave craft connection on the field at the same time. Packers were under center, I believe the most that they have been. In, let's see, oh yeah. So of any team this season, so listen to this stat from Next Gen, the NFL. Packers aligned under center 63% of the time in the wildcard victory. The highest rate of any offense in a game this season. Green Bay averaged 8.7 yards per play under center, scoring three touchdowns. That to me is, says a lot. Like that says, that says a taunt. That Green Bay was like, all right, we're going to give a completely unscouted look. And now here you go. So now I, I think it, it leaves the 49ers being like, well, I don't know, we don't know what to scout. Should we scout what we saw in Dallas? Or should we start what we saw all season? Also five keg to Green Bay, just keeping the foot on the gas pedal. It was weird that this was the same score as the Chargers and Jaguars last year. And then the Jaguars had that epic comeback. Yeah, at halftime, it was twenty-seven to seven, um, and I, I do also remember, you know, where I. That's a weird, like, remember where you were because I was in Mexico. It's our last day there, and everybody was going to bed because we had an early flight the next day, and I stayed at the bar to watch the end of that game. And it's also when I knew, like, everybody just hated hates Aaron Rodgers because I was sitting next to a couple guys from Australia. And I mentioned I was a Packer fan, and they had a lot of words about Aaron Rodgers that I can't really repeat on the pod. Uh, it like it's not too—I forget what it was—but they they said some kind of something pretty dirty, and I was like, "Oh wow, everybody hates him." <laughs> I was like, Geez. Uh but yeah, it it didn't necessarily have that vibe. Like the Cowboys got the touchdown. They had the weird Jimmy Johnson speech at halftime. I don't know who a producer decided to do that. Uh, But you worried like, okay, maybe Dallas, you know, they come down, they score and the Packers hold them to a field goal. And when they held them to, I think they held, yeah, they held them to a field goal in that moment. And that was sort of the, okay, you took a deep breath and then Green Bay goes back and scores yet again. And, And Aaron Jones hits his third touchdown of the game. And they were able to keep that lead at 34 to 10. Had Dallas scored there and it's 27 to 14, it's kind of game on, um, but Bay Packers just kept that foot on the gas pedal all game long and had a 48 to 16 lead before Dallas picked up a few garbage time touch shots. Uh, four kegs, Kishon Nixon. I, I really I really liked the game from Kishon Nixon. I've not been a big fan of Kishon this year. I think that he's played a little bit too much and it's kind of just been off because you've had Jair being hurt, you've had other, Eric Stokes just did not come back the way you expected it, but he had 11 total tackles in this game, tied with Quay Walker in terms of total tackle lead. He had a great sack on Dak early on where he stepped up, saw Dak was kind of starting to run, and he brought him down. Uh, he deflected two passes, and yeah, I feel like it was a really solid game from Kashawn Nixon and. You know, I, he also had a nice play on on C.D. Lamb, even though he's undersized. You know, on the goal line and played played it pretty well. And honestly, if you were to call a penalty, it would have been on Lamb for kind of jostling and pushing on uh, Nixon down. Um, so I mean, it, he played a really good game and. You know, that, you, you need everybody. You need guys to step up, and Nixon definitely did that uh, in this game on the defensive side of the ball. I also stayed with the cornerback position, Jair Alexander. I mean, the pick he made on Dak was incredible. Uh, you know, he jumps the route. Um, you could argue there was a little bit of content, uh, co- contact. Cole Beasley, former Cowboy, someone asked, oh, is that penalty? And Cole's like, no, that's a shit route, uh, talking about Brandon Cooks. And so Alexander picks off that pass And he ran it back for a touchdown It ended up not being a pick six Because he was touched But it, it set Green Bay up for a quick score again And Green Bay gets there And it's 14 nothing before you know it Because of a Jair Alexander pick And that was that was a massive play uh, by Alexander And we haven't seen Jair make big plays like that Really all year And I, I really think all this shit that happened with him was a true wake-up call for Alexander. And he he really sort of basically centered himself again. And I, I think sometimes people need that. And Alexander certainly did. Uh, number four, Luke another four keg to Luke Musgrave. Uh, I mean, he stays on his feet. Matt LaFleur after the game, Luke Musgrave stayed on his feet. <sighs> Everyone's going nuts. That was so funny. Uh, but yeah, they've, they've ran those plays with Musgrave all year. They haven't really brought it out since early on in the season. But Musgrave, standing butt-ass naked, basically fielding a punt. And there was nobody there. They, they He leaks out. He finds Musgrave for the touchdown. Um, just shows you all the stuff the Packers can do. They could easily run that play next week with Tucker Kraft. Tucker Kraft isn't as fast as Musgrave, but still, they could figure out a way to hit Kraft in stride. And there you go. Uh, Matt LaFleur was deep in his bag. He probably deserved a five keg as well. Uh, but I, I, you know, you you could give a lot of five kegs out for this one. But yeah, Musgrave, you know, getting that catch and another major moment, you know, in this Packers game as the Packers continue to add their lead in the second half. Uh, Also, four keg to the 7 p.m. Saturday start. Uh, As you all know, Packers are playing on on Saturday night against the 49ers. Um, I mean, that's just great. That's everything you want because you get either if you wanted to go out to a bar, if you wanted to have people over, if you wanted to uh, do like a hybrid version of that where you're going out for the second half and the first half you have people. Like, it's just going to be a shit show in the state of Wisconsin. And that's just, that's fun. Like that adds to the allure of it all. Like now you have something to do Saturday night. Even if you didn't have plans, guess what? You're watching the Packer game. You're probably drinking. You can drink without any limitations. Uh, that, That makes life fun. It's testing probably a lot of people's dry Januaries. Here in the state of Wisconsin, like if you decided you're like, oh, I'm gonna not drink this month, and then you're like, well, Packers want to play off. Well, now the Packers are are playing at 7 p.m. on a Saturday. Like, it, credit to you though, if you're doing it, like, good job, like, good on you. Uh, but man, uh, it's gonna be something special, a lot of fun. Uh, have to figure out what I'm doing. I've had like, I've had th- I, not. This isn't. I promise you, this is not to brag. But I had like three. I have three different options. So now I'm like. Do I bring them all together? How do I bring everybody together, and we do it all with everyone, and kind of get like a Nets Bucks thing, which I've talked about in the past, where I had all my friends for that game, and it was it was just basically the and I said, you know, Packers could lose that game, or it was the Bucks, sorry, Bucks could lose that game, but I had everybody, I had all my people with me, and that's just so hard when you're in your 30s, so I had to think about that. Um, we'll we'll see. <laughs> I'll, I'll let everybody know. Uh and then for three kegs, I Quay Walker, I thought, you know, was in on a lot of stuff, but he had some moments where, you know, they they did not he did not necessarily go to his spots. I think Quay still struggles with that from time to time. I uh, he got a bullshit penalty against him where it was said to be a horse collar. It wasn't. Uh, he he had made that tackle. Um he was in on a lot, but I, I just felt it was kind of a okay game. From Quay Walker, I uh, felt like he could have been a little bit better and be in be in the right spots. Um, and he was put on some bad matchups. There was a Ceedee Lamb slant that Dak just did not throw the ball well to. And if he hit Ceedee Lamb there, that might have changed that entire tenor of the game. Uh, Dontravian Wicks also a three keg. Um, uh, Dontravian. Uh, You know Only had two catches 25 He had that huge touchdown But He was sort of a Afterthought for Green Bay Which was fine Uh, They took him away I think that's just The beauty of the Packers Offense Like There are going to be games For You know Wicks and Reed Who we'll we'll talk about Reed here in a second And then there will also Be games for Christian Watson And for Romeo Dobbs And for Bo Melton And things like that A lot of Bo Melton snaps today uh, Which was interesting Uh, Other three keg to Olsen and Burkhart I didn't think it was a great broadcast from them. Uh, I thought I thought they were really disappointed that Dallas wasn't going to win this game. Uh, it seemed like they were, you know, convinced that they were going to get another Cowboys game. Yeah, the weird Jimmy Johnson thing too. Um, I, I wouldn't go as far as what Aaron Nagler said, where he's like, this is the most anti-Packers broadcast I've listened to in a while, but it, it felt like the 90s, whereas Madden Summerall really just, you know, ragging on the Packers and really wanting the Cowboys to win the game and they even in the waning moments are well I don't know like keep your TVs dialed like and I know they got a job to do and they got to try to to basically you know make it so that they they keep everybody engaged but it felt very pro Dallas to me and sorry for ruining the party guys uh so uh maybe they'll be better next week I'm sure they'll still give give credit for the Thanksgiving Day game as the as the reason the Packers turned around their season because that's that's what it's what we saw on Sunday which was also pretty weird uh two kegs to Anders Carlson uh Anders Carlson missed an extra point god damn it just settle down buddy like can we go one game being clean can we just have a clean game from Anders Carlson please uh that was very frustrating uh also Rashawn Gary uh kind of a ghost I he was like every now and again you saw Rashawn Gary you know running after the quarterback but really not a great Rashawn Gary game he's had some really good playoff games in the past uh but this was not one of them um and which again I'm not not freaking out about um and I'm not like losing my mind it happens um but he ended the Cowboys offensive line is good like not a bad offensive line that he was going up against. So, uh, not much from Sean Gary. Also, not much from Jaden Reed. Another two Kager. Uh, Jaden Reed uh, was a ghost. He had no. He had no touch. No. No target or no receptions. He did have three targets. He had a very funny tweet after after the game uh, where he said this. So I, I'll give that to Jaden Reed. He goes, I know. I know I sold y'all parlays. I apologize, but fuck it. It we ball. Go pack, go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fuck the parlays. Uh, so, uh, T's and P's if you did have a uh, Same Gamer with J- Jaden Reed involved, but who cares? Uh, we won the game. If you're mad about that, uh, fine, God. Uh, and then uh, one keg goes to... Uh, you know, just pulling the starters was a mistake by Lafleur. Uh, was a little cocky. I fucking loved it, uh, but it was definitely a little too early. Needed we, we had like one or two more possessions before we were we were pulling the starters. I understand it. It was classic. Like Lafleur got tight, got scared. Someone was gonna get hurt. Um, but he and he admitted that after the game. So again, we take ownership there. And then uh, garbage time. Um, in terms of just, it was like it was just annoying that Dallas has 32 points on this and Dak actually had a, looks like he had a good performance, but we all know if you want, if you know, you know. Um, And so there's that. I, I was going to answer the Rogers question and I didn't. Um, So I'll get to it now. I apologize to coach who submitted it, which I, I really, I really appreciate it. Um, And so Bart Winkler had noted uh, that he said this that from the Bart Winkler show that Rodgers was great and all, but I'm happy and I'm happy for the good times. But at the end, he really sucked the fun out of the franchise and it's more obvious than it's ever been. The question is, is how big of a relief slash reset was it getting 12 on the culture at 1265? I, I think it's becoming more and more apparent, right? Um, I, I look, I, I think that the Packers wanted to go young and Aaron Rodgers resisted against it. And I think some of it is not all on Aaron Rodgers. I think whenever you're going young with an older guy, that's going to ruffle some feathers because he knows his time is limited, right? And I think it's a little bit on Brian Gunacus because he gives Aaron Rodgers this massive deal. They didn't trust that Jordan Love could do this. Like, I know that that sounds weird given all the shit we just talked. But they they didn't believe in this because they would if they did, they would have not given Aaron Rodgers a big deal. It would have traded him to Denver and would have done the hack thing and, and, and so on. But they did not know that this was possible because they gave Rodgers that deal in a way to say, all right, we need to make sure that Jordan Love is the guy. And I remember I talked about trading Jordan Love in 2021. There are there are podcast episodes. You could go if you want to find them where I talk about trading Jordan Love. So yes, it helped the culture and these guys are having so much fucking fun and they love each other and they would die for each other. And but I I think the fact is is that the reason being is they're all young They're, again, a college team on steroids. I've said that a lot last couple weeks. And I think there is a unity there that is more college-esque than it is NFL NFL level. All the wives and girlfriends seem to be friends too. Like, it doesn't seem like there are cliques. Everybody is all in on the same goal. And I think getting away from that Rodgers clique was really important. And I think also... It has, has let Matt LaFleur be Matt LaFleur. I saw a few people being like, oh, Aaron Rodgers was holding back Matt LaFleur. I don't think that's entirely true. I think Matt LaFleur needed Aaron Rodgers at different times. But I I also think that it's allowed Matt LaFleur to be loose and to do his shit and to trust his offense. And I think he trusts it more and more. He didn't at the start of this season. He was very conservative with Jordan Love. It drove me nuts. But now the restriction plate's off and they are just humming at 150 miles an hour. So to answer the question, I think it is a relief, but I also think it was somewhat self-inflicted. And it credit to the Packers for, of course, correcting it before it got worse and knowing the time to cash out. And I think they, they did it at the right moment. I think the 2022 year could have been a Jordan Love year, but I think it would have been I think it would have been more like twenty eight. Twenty two thousand eight for Rodgers if not worse and they set Jordan Love up for ultimate success but I think this success is more than they even thought and now they have something to really build on no matter what happens on Saturday all right I've talked a lot um I, I didn't realize how long uh golden kegs would go uh but I, I do want to mention a little bit I guess we'll just go quick on the NFL before we talk about the Bucks. Uh, as for the other games, Texans thing was stunning. Uh, did not see that coming. I thought the Browns were going to take care of business in that game. Uh, te- a lot of the conversations we're having about the Green Bay Packers could be had about the Houston Texans. I think Packers-Texans, which is a, in Lambeau, game that I'll, I might try to go to. Uh, we'll see when it happens, uh, but that's definitely on my short list of Packer games to go to next season. Uh, I would imagine it's going to be a Sunday night game. I hope it's not a Monday night. Or a Thursday night, but I would imagine you're going to go Sunday night Packers Texans in Lambeau Field. I feel like it, you have to do that. Um, Love versus Stroud, you know the new era uh, it's being set of, of NFL quarterbacks, which I, I also think like just as an aside, the NFL needed. The NFL needs this. This is good for the NFL in terms of like I i i felt like the NFL is kind of at a saturation point a little bit with the peacock nonsense and just the moving playoff games and everything else. Um, But I I, I do think that having a new era of quarterbacks, you know, now it's Love, it's Stroud. You could even throw Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts in that mix. Like, we'll see what happens with Philly tonight. But I I think that that's that's a really good foundation. And it's only getting better now with the guys coming in. And those guys are going to be, should be special too. Uh, Also, um, what was the other games? Oh, Chiefs, Dolphins. Chiefs looked great. Um, I, I don't know if it was the Dolphins just didn't want to be there, uh, and Tua just they they played cold. And we saw that with the Rams sometimes. They've had the Lambo late, and the Rams just look like they don't want to be there. Uh, Dolphins didn't look like they were happy to be in Kansas City. And I, I've, I think there's going to be a lot of conversation about what the Dolphins do with Tua. Um, you're already seeing it, and I, I think that's a potential Kirk Cousins team uh definitely like I think that's a I think that could even be a Justin Fields destination as crazy as that sounds I I would personally rather have more of a veteran but I I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins are sniffing around Justin Fields uh and then in the Lions game I mean but happy for Detroit I guess uh Mitch was like you should let them have it I think now that we won I can I can let Detroit have the win um, you know, they, they bowed up in the second half It was, you know, kind of off the rails early They let Puka Nakua go off And they shut down everything else um, And they able to get the win over Stafford And everything else I will say, I if I was And I understand the excitement I get it But the Lions acted like they won the Super Bowl And I just wonder what that does for next week And I, I do think that even though they will likely be favored, I probably like the like the road team whether it's the Eagles or or the Buccaneers. So we'll, we'll certainly see we'll talk about that matchup tomorrow uh, when we do the pod on Tuesday uh, but we'll uh, we'll see but overall I, I think, it was a interesting wild card weekend. It's still undone, so yeah, let's talk. We'll wrap. We'll summarize the wild card weekend uh, tomorrow. So we'll see what happens in the two games today. Oh yeah, and that game moving—that would never happen in, in Wisconsin. Let's just let's just be honest here. That would never happen with the, being the home of the ice Bowl, I, I don't know if Tony Evers would be able to survive that or any governor. It doesn't matter, Democrat, Republican, like doesn't matter. I, I just. I don't think you're canceling Packer games. Um, there's no way. Uh, but I, I and I, some people are like, "Oh, the NFL wants to do this. so They have two games on Monday." No, they fucking don't. They wanted to have you know they want to have the full day on Sunday. Sunday is for football. They wanted to have the whole day. I I disagree with that wholeheartedly. So I'm like, "Oh, they're gonna put eight teams in the playoffs." No, they're not. I, I don't think we're get, we'll get to a point of eight. Uh, I think seven is is good enough. If you start seeing, you know, more 10-win teams, maybe. But I, I think that you th- there's a reason why. And usually seven seeds don't win. But not all seven seeds are the Red Hot and Packers. So there you have it. Um, all right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and then ride out of here. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks had a great weekend too. Uh, this was a good weekend for everybody here in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, I'm not a Badger basketball fan, but they also won. So it was it was a good good weekend, and the Milwaukee Bucks took care of business on Saturday as well as Sunday. And I felt like there were things to like. The Bucks now have won three straight um, after you know their struggles to start the year. They've kind of righted the ship, and it's it's really great to see. Um, you know, let's start with tonight, and then we'll work back to Saturday. Uh, they win in overtime against the Sacramento Kings in on a Damian Lillard buzzer beater. Uh, it was just an incredible moment. Um, you know, Lillard getting the ball, you know, passed back to him. I'm like, why is he inbounding it? And it was clearly a play that they've ran and practiced and Lillard was ready for it. And just hitting that shot at the buzzer beater. I can't remember the last time Bucks won at the buzzer. Maybe Giannis against uh, the Knicks. I'm sure there was one before that, but that's the last one I remember at least watching live. I'm sure that was another one, but like the Giannis turnaround jumper against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. But just to have Damian Lillard, and then he does the the watch point and everything else. Like it was something special, man. And that just is why you have. That's one of the reasons why you have Damian Lillard, not the reason. But the Bucks being able to do that on a back-to-back, staying in the fight. It looked like it was going to be a loss. The Kings couldn't bring it home, missing free throws down the stretch. You know, De- uh, De'Aaron Fox, I was like, they were like, oh, he's only a 72% shooter. I'm like, wow, for a point guard, that's not great. And sure enough, misses a free, misses one of the free throws and it was to win the game too. I mean, it wasn't to tie it, it was not a tied game. They were down too. I mean, that doesn't go in. The Bucks have a pretty disappointing loss because they were up nine at one point. They were, I think they were up eight with four minutes left to go in this game. And they just kind of ran out of gas, and the Kings kept adding to it. Uh, there was a bad early foul up three, uh, where the Kings were able to get that opportunity uh, to, you know, sort of keep adding to this and Giannis probably shouldn't have shot free throws late in this game. And that's an adjustment that's going to need to be made by Adrian Griffin, that they're going to have to make sure that Giannis does not have the ball late in games. I mean, he's been a bet. He's a better clutch free throw shooter, but there are better free throw shooters out there. Um, You didn't have Chris Middleton there. So maybe that was a cause of it. When you have Middleton and Lillard, it's a lot easier. Obviously they want to deny Dame the basketball uh, in those moments but yeah I I definitely enjoyed you know how the Bucks were able to just stay in the fight like they could have they could have easily cashed that one in uh, in overtime and said well we've now played in back-to-back games like this is now the ninth quarter of basketball in the last two day two nights and they it did not phase them one bit and it kind of adds a cherry on top to all the back-to-back nonsense that we saw from the Boston Celtics. And we didn't really get to talk about that media reaction because it was Friday, and everybody just coping for the Celtics and talking about how hard this back-to-back was, ignoring the fact that the Timberwolves were also on a back-to-back when they played Boston on Wednesday night. Uh, It was just so weird, honestly, to see like this sort of like, well, let's make an excuse for Boston on why they lost let's not give Milwaukee credit. Like Ryan Russell was the only one who gave Milwaukee the credit. It was like, how many teams can do this against Boston? And I think that the ceiling of the Bucs has been recognized and that the Bucs have this ability to take it to another level and absolutely beat anybody on any given night. It's just a matter, they have to be dialed in. And they they were all weekend. And that to me, I think is a, a biggest Sign a good step forward is there wasn't any of the weird sort of bucks moments where you're like oh they just didn't want to play in this game they, they had no interest in playing this basketball game they're like nope we're gonna kick your ass and they did it you know back and forth yeah the defense maybe not the best against golden state and and the kings but they're doing it in different ways right you know andre jackson jr plays 28 minutes in the game against golden state and he closes with the team. He has a really good game against the Warriors. I think he finished with 10 points in that one and had some awesome moments. Like he had the put-back dunk. He had the block uh, at the rim. What did he finish with? Did he finished with 10? Yeah, he finished with 10 points. And he had 10 rebounds and six of those offensively. So I didn't know he had a double-double. So he had a double-double in the game. Um, he was excellent. And then he only played 10 minutes. He started, but he only played 10 minutes against the Kings. So I think the allure of the Bucks being able to do it in different ways and they and getting support from the bench in that game against the Kings. Bobby and Pat were both really good. Pat played thirty three minutes, Bobby played twenty six, and we've been it's a much maligned bench. They've had a lot of issues and they really stepped up in the game against the Kings, and they needed to. Uh, they definitely needed Bobby and and uh, and Campaign, who was Campaign was sent to the bench, and he responded with 15 points in this game against the Kings. You're gonna need all the guys, and I think that that is, to me, the prevailing my prevailing takeaway from the weekend is you have a Bucks team that can beat you in different ways and they're becoming more Swiss army knife. And I think that that is good. There's not as much of a reliance on Damon Giannis. Do you need Damon Giannis to be great? Yeah, absolutely. That helps. But do they need to have 40 or 50 every night to win games? No. Like Giannis, yes, had a triple-double in the game against the Kings. He played pretty, pretty well against the Warriors. He had 33, nine and five, but the 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 reason you won that game was not both games were not Giannis onto the Kumbo. you won the Warriors game because Giannis had thirty three Mids had twenty four and an awesome finish to the fourth quarter Mids was ten to thirteen from the field in that in that. Uh, game and then was, I think, perfect or missed one. He missed a free throw in that fourth quarter, but he's nearly perfect in that fourth quarter, helping to close out the, the Warriors. Lillard had 27. A lot of that was early on and he had, you know, started off hot. And then in the game against the Kings, Giannis, again, had a triple-double, but Dame had 29. He had five made threes. Beasley had 23. A five, another 5-3 five, five, performance in the Bucks record when Mike Mikel Beasley, I think, has more than four threes is really, really good. And then you also had 37 bench points, all right? More than that. You had, sorry, because you had A.J. Green. You What did you get? 37, 47, there we go. Uh, 47 bench points from, from the bench, which you have not been getting all these games, and so I think as long as the Bucks can continue to sort of build on this, and you have this bizarre schedule here coming up, where you only play the Cavs and Pistons for two weeks, and I think the way the NBA did this is weird. It's awful. Um, it's not normal. Um, it, but it's it is an opportunity. You know, you have two games against the Pistons. You got to win those games. You can't you can't lose those basketball games. Those have to be wins for the Milwaukee Bucks. No excuses on those. And I know one's a two o'clock game on Saturday in Detroit. That is as sleepy as it can fucking get. But you gotta take care of business. You gotta take care of business in both of those games and then take care of business in those three Cleveland games. They have not played well in Cleveland. I know they won there last time, but it's it's been tough. And then that schedule gets kind of rough after the fact. They go on their first real West Coast swing coming up here. So it's they go home, they have a back-to-back against New Orleans at home next Saturday on the 27th. And then they go out to Denver, Portland, Dallas, and Utah. Utah's not and Phoenix. That's a so what? They're out, out on the West Coast for a week plus. That that would be that would be true. Yes. They're out there for a week plus before heading home to play Minnesota in a game that probably should be on primetime. We probably should get Bucks, Bucks, Wolves on on a on primetime. I don't know what the February eighth TNT game is, but we we should definitely the more bucks the merrier, right? Um, so yeah, we'll we'll certainly see uh, what happens. But all in all, great weekend as mentioned for for Wisconsin sports and hopefully. The Bucks can build on this and take advantage of their weird schedule. All right, that does it for the show. I think I said the pod would be up by eight. It's gonna be up by like 8.45. Sorry about that. Uh, hope you guys have a great victory Monday. If you have off, I'm jealous of you. Enjoy all the hoops that are on and the football. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk Marquette uh, against Villanova. We'll talk uh, first look Packers Niners uh, and we'll get into anything else. So take care of yourself. Have a great Monday and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.